This is the Grind It Podcast. We know just like grinding a handrail or a cross of coping can be challenging at times, so can life be. We share God's word and personal stories to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. All right, welcome to the Grounded Podcast. Welcome. Today we're going to start. No, yeah, actually, I think we might get through. No, we're going to start Mark chapter nine. We're going to talk about the transfiguration of Jesus. Um, before we get into that, uh, Shelby's going to read verses one through thirteen. But before she reads, you can pray. Oh, thanks. Hey, Lord, thank you. Thank you that your word changes us from the inside out. You are the one that um, changes us from faith to faith and glory to glory. And our faith is strengthened. It's grown as, as we hear your word, as we ingest it, as we chew on it. So change us today, Lord, more and more into your image. As, as we listen to your word, give us wisdom, give us revelation, illuminate our understanding so that we know you better, we look more like you, sound more like you, walk more like you in this world. We say your kingdom come and your will be done here as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Speaking of chewing on words, we're going to see something here. We'll talk about it <clears throat> when Shelby gets done reading some words that the disciples well just Peter James and John because they're the only three that get to see the transfiguration take place and by the way while this is going on the other disciples uh, are um, uh, hanging out with some religious leaders that are arguing with them that they can't do miracles because that's when they can't cast the demon out of the little boy mm. and there's some religious leaders there saying hey you can't get the job done this guy's not the Messiah um, but talking about chewing on words, the disciples, or Peter, James, and John, when they see the transfiguration, we'll talk more about this in a few minutes, like I said, but it, it's interesting to me what words they do cheer, chew on. Hmm. They see some interesting stuff at the transfiguration, which we'll talk about in a second. But what catches their attention, and when they, it says, when basically, Mark says, when these three guys get together, they're having a, a conversation about something that Jesus said, and it has nothing to do with Moses or Elijah. Hmm. Over to you, Shelby. Let's hear it. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when I looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. 
They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, Why do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come, and they have done to him everything they wished, just as it is written about him. Okay. Where does it say that Jesus was transformed? In verse what? Six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, led them up to a high mountain to be alone. We don't know which mountain. He was talking about that earlier. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed. His appearance was transformed, and his clothes became dazzling white, far whiter than any earthly bleach could ever make them. And you know, we got eight to ten inches of snow on the ground, and the sun shines against that snow. And Shelby was talking about today about how bright it is outside, especially with the snow. And Jesus's clothing would have been, you know, even brighter than that. It's just pretty cool. But this this word. Uh, when Jesus was transformed, in the Greek, it's metamorpho. And it's the same exact word that Paul uses in Romans 12, 1 through 3, when he says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, so he's talking to Christians, right? I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you. Mm-hmm. Metamorpho. Same word. There was a physical change in Jesus' appearance. Mm-hmm. that They could literally see him glowing, if you will. And Paul says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then uh, you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Well, what goes to metamorphosis? Butterfly. You know, a worm, a caterpillar. Caterpillar into a butterfly. Yeah, it turns into a butterfly. That's what this word means. So there's a physical change in Jesus. And and thinking about this, what Paul says here, I was thinking that if, if Peter, James, and John was watching this event take place, and Jesus' physical appearance changes and he's glowing, it's the same word used in, in Romans 12 when Paul says the, 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 we're supposed to be like Jesus, mm-hmm. not like the Changed. world. We're supposed to be totally different from the world. What, what does that mean? That means there's a change, like you're saying. There's a, it's like a butter, uh, the ugly caterpillar changes to a beautiful butterfly. Well, isn't there a verse that says God makes everything beautiful in its time? Mm-hmm. Or is that a song? It's in Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes. <clears throat> that, that's... There should be literally a physical change in our lives when we come to Jesus. Mm-hmm. It, it made you said something in your prayer. I was singing it in my head from the inside out. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, was that a Hillsong song? Was it I think from so. the mm-hmm. inside? I remember being another guy singing that at First Christian Church in Harriman when I was youth minister there. Um, because that's that's the way God works. He 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 works from the inside out. When we give our lives to Christ, and we're going to talk more about this part in a minute, but when we when we give our lives to Christ, there are some changes that take place immediately, mm-hmm. and then there's changes that take place in time. Mm-hmm. So we have to give people some grace and some mercy, and some we have to be patient. 
Long, the, the King James Version. Long suffering. Long suffering. Yeah. Because when, when, when we come to Christ, we, you brought this up before we started recording, that the old man passes away. The new man, we we're made a new creation in Christ. That's what the, Paul talks about uh, baptism in Romans 6. When we're baptized in a watery grave is what Paul's saying in Romans 6. Our old man is buried in a watery grave and we come up out of that watery grave a new creation in Christ. That's what Paul mm -hmm. says. Now I thought about Galatians 2. Did you have your verse? The second Corinthians 5. Is you going to share that? I'll read this one. Galatians 2.20. Paul says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. Well, think about that for a second. Hmm. And I know Talking about some immediate is. changes. Right. This guy was persecuting the church. He was on his way to Damascus. Right. In Acts 9 to persecute even more Christians, going from house to house, pulling men and women out of their homes, taking them to prison, getting them right. they're dying for their faith. And he thought he was justified by God. And Jesus shines in a, a light, knocks him off his horse, and the guys that were with Saul, Paul at the time, or he's Saul at the time, we know him as Paul. And uh and he has a conversation with Jesus and he says, Who are you, Lord? Mm -hmm. And he says, I'm Jesus, the one you're crucifying. He's not crucifying Jesus. He's crucifying people who follow Jesus. But right. Jesus says, you're, you're crucifying me. But my point is, Paul says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. I'm, I'm not that guy anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm following this guy. The very guy I was crucifying. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live. I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. Yeah. This guy gave himself for me. Where's the passage? He says, the love of Christ it compels me. It controls me. It's, mm -hmm. you know, I hated this guy. My old man hated this guy. Persecuted. I tried to shut this thing down mm -hmm. immediately. And now I've made him for myself and my life's been changed. There's, there's, there, there was a physical outward appearance or change in Paul because you remember when he first came to the disciples after his they were like wait a minute wait he's the one that's been killing everybody well, well, I don't it, really want to even before that back up when when, when uh, Jesus shows up to Ananias right mm -hmm. this is another appearance. this is another one Jesus talks mm -hmm. we were talking about before we started he tells Ananias hey this guy Saul's coming to your house to be baptized he's going to be blind but you're going to baptize oh, yeah. gonna you got to go to his you got to go to where he's at. Right? You remember what Ananias said? No, no. I've heard about him. <laughs> yeah, we, this guy is killing us, man. I don't want him coming to my house. Mm -hmm. And Jesus says, no, he's changed. He's a he's a ambassador for me now. He's going to the Gentiles. He's, he's going to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Immediate change. Mm. Immediate change. Big change, too. The, but like you said earlier, there's there does have to be some grace given to people who are coming into the kingdom um, and their old man is still being taken off, right? Take off the grave clothes. Help unwrap that person to help them take the grave clothes off. And they're, they're becoming a new creation. They're getting immersed in the word. They're beginning to learn. And as they're learning, they're like, oh, Okay, that part needs to change. Gotcha. <laughs> Check. Yeah. You know, um, I equate it to peeling the, the layers of an onion. 
you know, when when you are peeling off, you know, you're using an onion to cook or whatever, you peel off those those dry papery layers and then you get to the layers that maybe are a little bit, you know, dried, but and sometimes God has to peel us like mm. that. Um to take away those those things of the old man because you're right in that we are a tripartite be- being, right? We are a spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. So at the at that moment of salvation, right at that moment of surrender, that's when we spiritually become reborn and become a new creation in Christ. But we still have this old soul, our mind, our will, and emotions. That needs to be renewed. And we still live in this old body mm-hmm. that still has some of the same appetites that we did before. But all of those things have to be brought under subjection to Christ. And that's where we've got to be um, patient and long-suffering with with believers who are just coming into the kingdom right. and getting to know the Lord. Yeah, and I think that goes back to what we we're talking about in Romans twelve. When Paul said Romans twelve one through three, and he said, "Be this way: let your, let your body be a living sacrifice that finally God will, God will find acceptable. This is the true true way to worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of the world, but let God transform you. Yeah. So it, it's God's doing the transforming, right? And and how do we, how can we know today what God desires? We have to be in the Word. Mm-hmm. It's crucial. We say that all the time, but, but it's true. It's crucial. What, what what was the verse that you had? Was it Second Corinthians five fourteen? Is that um, right? Five fourteen is the for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. And then seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the key is is to be in Christ, and when we're in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. But again, I'm just going to reemphasize to know how we can't know Christ. You can't know somebody if you don't spend time with them. Mm. True that. And the only way we can spend time with Christ and get to know Christ is. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The, the book of Acts. The you know the New Testament. What Paul says about him. All in his letters. Mm-hmm. You got to be in the Word. And in prayer. So. <clears throat> so there he was transfigured before them. Yeah. Physically changed. His clothes his became dazzling white. Whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. Mm-hmm. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses. We were talking with Jesus. I just had a thought, though, because we're studying Revelation at church, and I'll be preaching from there soon. What, what are when we come to Christ? What are you know? Isaiah talks about our garments being our sins. Our garments are filthy rags. Mm-hmm. But when we come to Christ, and we're washing Christ's blood. What what are we clothed in? The blood of Jesus. Yeah, but what what what? Because we're the bride. And you, you think yeah, wash white as snow. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're we're given new garments. When you read the book of Revelation, it talks about that we're dressed in white. And I bet it's shining like Jesus was mm-hmm. on the Mount of Transfiguration. I just thought I just had that thought. Mm-hmm. What was you? What was you? Where was you headed? 
You're talking about Moses and Elijah. Okay, oh. so there appeared before them. We were talking about this off of camera before we got started. Was you know we live in a culture where oh I've heard that name but I don't know who that is. Let me Google a picture. All right. Right. Let me let me look up a photo uh, of that person. Do I know them? Do I? Oh no, I've. Maybe I've seen them in a movie. Okay, yeah. I mean, we we live in this instant society where you can see an image of someone easily at the on the internet, right? You can look up a picture. You mean they didn't have Google back in Jesus' day? You know, I'm kind of thinking. No. Um, and okay, drawing. So how did? I marvel at the fact that Peter said, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let's put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Okay, so my guess is that when they showed up, they didn't say, Hi, Shelby, my name's Elijah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hello, Randall, my name is Moses. Yeah. Good to meet you. And they've been there for thousands of years. Right, shalom. So how did Peter recognize them? Was it... Their dress was it? Their hair were there actually paintings and mosaics that depicted what they looked mm-hmm. like, or or was there something remarkable about their physical appearance? Well, you know Moses was holding the ten I mean, commandments were, for two times. Were they, you know they were. were they wearing a name tag <laughs> that said "Hello, my <laughs> name is"? You know? <laughs> no, this is this is how this is it. This is it. I got it. Moses is standing there holding the two tablets, a stone with the Ten Commandments on it. You know, okay. like a, like a Valentine's card. It says to Moses from God. <laughs> <laughs> there you or go. Don't strike us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, was Elijah hanging out in the fiery chariot <laughs> as he was there? Exactly. <laughs> it it just hit me that like, okay, how did they know this is who? But you you mentioned it may have been the way that they were talking. With Jesus, um, that Peter said, "Oh, that must be, you know, Elijah." Just some of the things that he's talking about, or that must be Moses because of the way he's describing. But don't this show you more into Peter's personality? Because he's probably the one that's listening the closest, and you know how we are when we're listening; we're we're thinking of something to say. Mm-hmm. Instead of listening, and I think that's what he's done. Mm. But, I when I when I would um, years ago when I homeschooled my kids, we would do Bible, and um, I said Peter's always the guy who's like open mouth, insert foot, right? He generally is rather impetuous, and and he's got a response for everything, mm-hmm. and it's and it's pretty emotionally charged. Yeah. You know, and sometimes he says things before he really thinks about it. Yeah, just like last in the last podcast. Uh, right. Jesus, we're not letting you die. Right. The same Get behind me, Satan. Yeah. Right. Satan. And and now he's like, hey, it's good for us to be here. And I, the other thing was like, okay, let us put up three shelters. Was it the time of Sukkot or Tabernacles where it was just that season of the year? Um, and he's like, hey. Look, it's Sukkot. You need a tabernacle. You need a sukkah. You need a sukkah. You get a tabernacle. You get a tabernacle. You know. Let's talk about that for a second. These shelters. uh, New Living Translation calls them memorials. 
All you Grinded Podcast listeners, I know you enjoy some good music, but I want to tell you about some awesome music. Now, my friend, Mary Gamboa, she's also the worship leader at the church where I worship, called Authentic Church here in Alcoa, Tennessee. We'd love to invite you to come out and check us out sometime when you get a chance. Start at 10 a.m. And we're on Lindsay Street here in Alcoa. Mary has produced a new album called Jealous. And you can check that out anywhere music is being streamed. But you can also check it out at marygamboamusic.com. That's Mary G-A-M-B-O-A music.com. Go check that out. And you brought up the fact that, you know, um, you know they, they didn't have, well, like Facebook. You put something on Facebook and then, you know, 10, 15 years later, there's a memory from where you put it on mm-hmm. 10, 12 years ago. I, I just posted something uh, from Miranda when she was cheerleading. She was like four or five years old and cheerleading. It was a memory. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Elvis sings that song, Memory, Memory. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, enough of that. <clears throat> they, they, they didn't have that. They, they couldn't take a, their cell phone out, pop a picture, and, and post it to Instagram where they have mm-hmm. it later, or... Facebook or whatever, or mm-hmm. Snapchat, or send it to a, you know a friend, a relative. Do you remember this? They didn't have that. So what what they did was they would build these these memorials, these these uh, shelters, whatever, whatever you want to call them. Uh, like uh, some instances I found in the Old Testament, three of them: Genesis twenty eight ten through twenty two. Jacob builds a. a if I can get to my get my notes to be still, Jacob sets a pillar up in Bethel. To commemorate a powerful vision of God that he experienced while sleeping there, right? That's when he wrestled with God. Mm-hmm. Joshua four one through eight. Joshua commands them to build a memorial out of stones. They literally just stacked up stones. That mm-hmm. was the, that was their memorial. Right, right. <laughs> Sounds pretty cheap and crappy, you know, but that's what they had. That's all they knew. And so they, J- Joshua tells them, "You stack up these stones when they crossed over the dry ground, like the right, Red Sea right. when the Red Sea parted." Now the Jordan River parts during flood season mm-hmm. because Jordan River is not very big unless it's flood season. In the parts, it's huge. <coughs> and so Joshua commands them to build a, a memorial out of stones when they cross the Jordan River in Gilgal uh, and goes into the Promised Land. And then Samuel, in 1 Samuel 7, 7-12, through 12, uh, when the Israelites were under imminent attack from the Philistines and God leads them to victory, Samuel builds this large stone memorial and get this. You know what he named it? Do you remember what he names it? Here I raise my Ebenezer. Hither by thy help I come. Ebenezer stone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ebenezer. And that's where that's that I've always wondered where that word come from in that song. Uh and what it meant. But the word Ebenezer means the stone of help. Mm-hmm. And, and so the, they did they didn't have these snapshots. They didn't have a Polaroid where they can snap a shot, in, you know, or a picture in a picture. You know, remember those cameras and the picture came out black and white and then it was color and it was like, ooh. You know, and now you got, you know, you could take thousands of images in a few seconds with your phone and you have these forever. You can send them anywhere in the world. Mm. Well, they didn't have all that. So they would build these stones for these memorials. And so. It's not a bad thing that Peter wants to do this. Mm-hmm. Again, like I said in the last podcast, he's coming from a good place. Mm-hmm. But like you said, he's just not thinking. 
A matter of fact, when Shelby read that, it says that they were they were terrified. They're frightened. They're scared to death mm-hmm. of you know what they see and what what's going on. And so. Peter's coming from a good place. He wants to build this memorial. He wants to take this snapshot so they can remember it forever. And he just says this out of fear, without thinking. And he and he just didn't know what else to say. And I, I thought, well, how about just not saying anything at all? <laughs> just shut up. <laughs> soak, soak in the moment. Like, okay, he's talking to Moses. He's talking to Elijah. That in mm-hmm. itself is crazy to think about and i'm getting to see this why would you even want to say anything just sit there and listen and watch and marvel Mm -hmm. but not peter you know this is a great thing it's it's good for us to be here and then as soon as he he uh opens his mouth it's like that shut it down it interrupts the whole process and god's voice kind of does it say a cloud didn't it say a cloud came over mm-hmm. appeared yeah so not to kill them the cloud veil if you will it it was a veil for god a voice comes down from heaven which is god the father saying to peter and james and john this is my son listen to him mm-hmm. which is that's why we were talking before the podcast we started recording how many times did god speak in the new testament and this is the this is the second time that God spoke in an audible voice. In an audible right. voice. First time being Jesus' baptism, which you brought up earlier, when he was baptized. And he said, "This is my." And he said the same words. This is my son. Listen to him. So, um, but let me ask you this: Have you ever been right in the middle of a serious moment, and then somebody says something, or a weird noise happens? You're like deep in thought. You're you're just like caught up in the moment, but then you hear this weird noise or something catches your attention and it just ruins the moment, and you can't get it back. You ever had that happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that's what happens here. It just kills the mood. Peter just inserts foot in mouth and kills the mood, and then God shows up in the clouds and speaks, <clears throat> and so. Jesus quits glowing. Moses and Elijah disappear. You know, they're gone. And I thought of a song. Imagine that. Oh, no. Allison Krauss and Keith Whitley sing it. When you say nothing at all. (laughs) (laughs) And the lyrics go, It's amazing how you can speak right to my heart. Without saying a word, you can light up the dark. Try as I may, I can never explain what I hear when you don't say a thing. The smile on your face lets me know that you need me. There's a truth in your eyes saying, you'll never leave me. The touch of your hand says, you'll catch me whenever I fall. You say it best. When you say nothing at all. There you go. You say it best when you say nothing at all. If Peter just would have just kept his mouth shut. <laughs> just enjoyed the moment. So, But he opens his mouth and ruins the moment. Wait. Moses and Elijah disappear and it's all over with. And you already read verses 9 through 13. So they're going to head back down the mountain, right? Jesus tells them, Peter, James, and John, you don't tell anybody what you've seen until the Son of Man has risen from the dead. So they kept it to themselves, but they often asked each other, what did he mean by rising from the dead? And then they asked him, why do the teachers of religious law insist that Elijah must return 
before the Messiah comes. And Jesus responds, Elijah is indeed coming first to get everything ready. Yet why do the scriptures say that the Son of Man must suffer greatly and be treated with utter contempt? But I tell you, Elijah has already come, and they chose to abuse him just as the scriptures predicted. So look real close at what Peter, James, and John discusses over the next several days and weeks. Right? They don't discuss the fact that they just saw Moses and Elijah, which is incredible in itself. They don't talk about the fact that Jesus is glowing and that his physical appearance changed dramatically. They don't even talk about the fact that God, the Father, spoke to them from heaven. But what they did talk about was what Jesus said. What did he mean by rising from the dead? Of all the things they could have talked about when they got together, that was their concern. Mm-hmm. What, what did he mean by rising from the dead? Why do you think that is? Well, you know that there was a big old discussion about that amongst, um, in the Jewish circles, right? Because Pharisees and Sadducees, that was their big debate. Yeah. Right? That was Pharisees the, believed in the resurrection. Right. Some Sadducees believed did. and some did not. <clears throat> the footnote here says as Jews they were familiar with the doctrine of the resurrection it was the resurrection of the son of man that baffled them because their theology had no place for a suffering and dying Messiah mm-hmm. in their theology Messiah was going to be this great military leader right? conqueror yeah. not not someone who was going to suffer and die, and then need a resurrection. Despite all the prophecies that talk about it. Right. Yeah, and and that's what I that's what I've got in my notes is like exactly what you just said, um, because and I said this in the last podcast and I said it a bunch of podcasts previously, but they had a misconception or a lot of misconceptions about the Messiah and what his mission was. Mm-hmm. They're thinking that the Messiah is going to lead them from this Roman oppression, right? And that's why they say in Acts chapter 1, even after Jesus' resurrection, but he hasn't sent the Father yet, are you going to restore the, the power back to Israel? Mm-hmm. Or are the Jews going to get to rule and reign again mm-hmm. like we did in the, in the old days, you know, in the Old Testament? And Jesus says, you know, I just don't get it. But when the Spirit comes, you'll get it. And so, they they just they they were thinking, hey, the Messiah is indestructible. He's not going to die. But he he and he was indestructible. He's still alive. Mm. You know, Amen. They just had the misconception of what what the Messiah was coming for. Um, that's why they had a hard time accepting who Jesus was because he was just an ordinary dude. He dressed like an ordinary dude. He didn't dress in the royal garb. He didn't sit on the throne of David. Literally, you know. And and why? Why did the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Yeah, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. Because Jesus says, Elijah did come. And they're going, huh? Um, Well, we'll just move on to that. I was going to talk more about Peter, but just for time's sake. So they did ask Jesus a question that gives us a glimpse in, as to uh, what the religious leaders had been wrestling with, mm-hmm. right? They, the, they denied that Jesus was the Messiah. They did the whole time. They were trying to kill him. And they refused. The religious leaders refused to accept him for the most part. There were some like 
uh, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea it changed, changed their, they, they accepted Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, they, they denied that Jesus was the Messiah and they refused to accept him. And, and one of the reasons why is this. The disciples asked Jesus, why do the teachers of religious law insist that Elijah must return before the Messiah comes? And so uh, another misconception, this time it's about Elijah. They're, they're looking for Elijah to physically come back. Mm-hmm. And walk the earth again, and they had a good reason to because Elijah hasn't didn't die, right? Mm-hmm. He was carried away in the whirlwind up to heaven, and like Enoch walked off with God. They're the only two that's never died, right? And so the religious leaders are thinking, okay, Elijah's physically going to come back to the earth and walk this earth, and maybe talk about the kingdom of God and the Messiah's coming especially being a prophet. So it's easy to understand why they would think this, right? But Jesus says, like I said a while ago, Elijah's already come. So what did he mean? He does come first and he restores all things. Do you remember what Jesus said about John the Baptist? Right. That he is the Elijah. Mm-hmm. As, as John the Baptist is out there preaching, right, and he's baptizing in the Jordan, the Pharisees, they send out people to question John. And they ask him about his identity. Identity. They ask him about his ministry. And John denies being the Messiah. And the people that the, the Pharisees sent out, they said, what then? Are you Elijah? And John says, I'm not John. I mean, I'm not Elijah. That's John one twenty one. So John says, I'm not Elijah. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not Elijah. Jesus has something totally different. Right. Um, in Matthew 11, 11 through 15, here's what Jesus says. I tell you the truth, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than, than he is. And from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. For before John came, all the prophets and the law of Moses look forward to his present time. And if you are willing to accept what I say, he is Elijah, the one the prophets said would come. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Mm -hmm. So Jesus says, even though John says, I'm not Elijah, Jesus says, Elijah has come, and John the Baptist was Elijah. Mm -hmm. The one who was beheaded for confronting the sin of Herod. He, he, that was John's mission. He paved the way for the Messiah. Right. Right. He'd make his path straight. Mm-hmm. So, when they come back to the other, other disciples, right, they come down the mountain. There's a crowd gathered. There's some arguing going on between the disciples and some, and Jesus, they just asked Jesus this question about the religious teachers. And that's who the, the disciples are arguing with when they come down the mountain, the other disciples. They're arguing with some teachers of the law, the religious law, and the, the very ones that, um, that they were talking about, the ones who deny that Jesus is the Messiah, right? And so they're arguing because the disciples are trying to cast out a demon from this little kid, and they can't do it, which we're going to talk a lot more about in the next podcast because we're out of time. But <clears throat> Where was I at? My notes just keep jumping around like crazy. They came down to the other disciples and they saw a large crowd. 
teachers of the law are arguing them. Yeah. So they're arguing because the disciples are trying to cast a demon out of this little kid and they can't do it. And, um, but I find myself like this this little boy's dad and what he says, you know, to Jesus. Lord, help me. You know, I believe, but help my unbelief. But what continues to amaze me is the disciple. I can understand that dude saying that, that kid's father. But what amazes me is how much the disciples have seen Jesus do. Mm-hmm. And just seen this guy transfigured, changed, talking to Moses and Elijah, and they just they they get hung up on well, what what does he mean that he's going to rise from, raise from the dead? Mm-hmm. He'd already started telling them uh, that he's going to. I think it was in the previous chapter when he started telling them. I think the previous two chapters he tells them twice that he's going to die. He's going to be betrayed, die, and resurrected, which tells me that he didn't know their Bibles. They didn't know their prophecies. Their pro- they didn't read the prophets enough <clears throat> because it was all written for them, but they didn't get it. Well, you know, we're pretty spoiled, like you said before. We all have multiple copies of the Bible in several different translations. We can pull it up in any translations we want, but they did not. The Torah scrolls were in the synagogue, right? Mm-hmm. They were, and they would go to Torah school and learn it. And they would hear it, and they would memorize portions of it. But they didn't have their own version with a concordance in the back. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we're kind of spoiled. No, we're very spoiled. Thank you, Lord. Oh. So even even so, with that thought in mind, we are spoiled. We have the scriptures, and and like Shelby's done the, she's read the whole thing, the whole Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, forty five days. She tried it in thirty. Well, no, it wasn't forty five. How long was it? Forty five. It was 45 days. I tried to do it in 30. She tried to do it in 30. Did it in 45. And so she's on a quest. What are you doing now? I'm trying to do the New Testament in 21. New Testament, 21 days. But like I, I said in a previous podcast, you know, we have the Bible on our phones and it reads it to us. We're, like you said, we have Concord. We, we have Google. We can Google all this stuff. We have so much information that's available at our fingertips. But just like the disciples... We get hung up on some of the silliest stuff, yeah. trivial stuff. Is it pre-millennialist? Is it amillennialist? Is it post-millennialist? Is it this? Is it that? Does baptism matter? Does you know all of this stuff? Does Jesus? Does God still heal? You know, yeah. a lot. Of, you know, all this stuff we get hung up on. Trivial. Some some of the stuff's trivial. That's just some of the examples off the top of my head. What things are would is God trying to show you as a listener? You know what what things is God trying to show you? Yet you can't see them because you're hung up on the small little detail. Yeah. Yeah. It's like those saying you can't see the forest from the trees. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what's going on with the disciples in this passage. They're hung up on. I mean, they see all this cool stuff, but yet they're hung up on what did he mean by dying? The Messiah's not supposed to be dying, honestly. Right? Didn't didn't fit into there. But he had to die. He had to die for the sins of man. Yeah. He had to be our sacrifice. Peter in the last chapter said, You ain't gonna die. We're gonna die with you. Then he denies him. I'll never deny you. Denies him three times. And 
here they are saying, what does he mean he's going to die? We're not letting him die. You know this conversation they're having. Mm-hmm. We're going to take it up for him. We'll watch his back. So, hang ups. You know, pray us out. Yeah. Lord, help us to to be present in the moment. And rather than snapping pictures that are Instagram worthy, um, or 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 trying to make memorials of the moment, can we just be present with you? To see what you're doing, to to hear what you're speaking, to to witness how you're moving in the earth. Because you'll give us moments to recall those things and to declare from one generation to another the goodness of God, the acts of our, our King. Help us not to be hung up on the things that that stump us or that we don't understand, but give us wisdom. Set a guard over our mouth, O oh Lord. Keep watch over our lips. So help us to be silent when we need to be silent or let our words be few. And give us boldness to declare your goodness and your glory when we need that boldness. We ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Keep running. Thanks for listening to the Grounded Podcast. If we could pray for you or encourage you in any way, please email us at thegroundedpodcast at gmail.com or you can text us at 865-418-2824. If you're watching on YouTube, please click like and subscribe and you'll be notified about new episodes. If you're listening on an app, leave us a five-star review, but most importantly, share the Grounded Podcast with a friend. God bless you and remember, keep grinding.